I've been working with uh, this house um, for about probably seven years. Um, Pastor Aaron and Erica are, are good friends of mine in ways I feel like they're my son and daughter. And we um, have been very instrumental, I believe, in helping train a prayer team over the years. And the deliverance model that you use was um, what we uh, have used. So we have a lot of um, connection here. And um, I, I started Open Heaven in 2004, and we do uh, meetings around Cincinnati. And anyway, you can check all that out online if you're interested. But, you know, tonight, uh, I do know that Pastor has been teaching on different aspects of spiritual warfare, different types of spiritual warfare. Um, I know he's been in several weeks talking about spiritual warfare in one way or another. And one of the things that I wanted to um, talk to you guys about is if you are going to get in spiritual warfare of any kind whatsoever, uh, you're going to need to exercise what I'm going to talk about tonight. And that is spiritual authority. And if you understand your spiritual authority, you'll be able to use it not just in warfare, but you'll be able to use it day in and day out in your life. And there, you, you will actually see... Uh, things that you can change because you exercise the spiritual authority that God has given you already. And many people in the body of Christ don't understand spiritual warfare. They don't understand spiritual authority. And there's reasons for that because in a lot of our upbringings, we've not been taught uh, about these subjects. And in the church that I was raised in, I never one time heard anybody speak on uh, spiritual authority. All I ever did hear was God is in control, and everything that God wants to happen will happen. Anybody besides me hear that? You know, and let me tell you, now, God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And he can take control of everything. And there's nothing that your eye could do to stop that. Amen? However, he doesn't do that. And let me ask you a couple questions. Do you believe that it is the will of God that none perish? Yes or no? Yes, it's the will of God that no one perish. Do you believe anybody ever perished? Guys, just because God wants to see something happen does not mean it's going to happen. It doesn't mean he can't make it happen, but he doesn't choose to do that. You know, not only does God give us free will, but God's plan is to use you and I to build his kingdom on the earth. It's his plan. It's his design. He, you know, you shouldn't get upset with anybody that talks about that because God chose that. It's incredible that God chose to use you and I. I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have chose me. You know, would you have chose yourself? You know, I mean, I wouldn't have. I'm, I'm very serious about that. I'm like, God, are you sure you know what you're doing to ask me to do some of the stuff you've asked me to do? Because I wouldn't have picked me. But if we understand spiritual authority a little bit better, not only, you know, do our lives change, but we can help change the lives of other people. I believe to be truly effective in this world as a believer that we, it's, it's vital to understand spiritual authority. You know, it might be impossible to grow your faith if you don't understand spiritual authority and if you don't try to exercise spiritual authority. And by the way, uh, I do believe that every single person who has been born again receives spiritual authority when you're born again. 
So you don't even have to ask for it. If you're born again, you already have it. Now, just because you have something doesn't mean you know how to use it, right? I've bought um, different tools over the years. I was a contractor, and I would buy maybe a new tool. I owned a new tool. I had the new tool. There it right is in my possession. But I didn't really know how to use it yet. I had to learn how to use the new tool, this thing that was given me. Maybe somebody gave me a gift of a new tool. I, I have to learn how to use the tool. And the longer that the years go and the more that you use the tool, the better you get at it. It is no different in the kingdom of God. You know, if you want to know why are some people so effective and other people are not. Well, the people that are more effective, I assure you, are applying uh, um, practice in their life in the things that they want to get good at. And if you want to learn how to walk in spiritual authority, you have to exercise the spiritual authority. If you don't even know if you have it, trust me, you try to exercise spiritual authority in some of the ways that we're going to talk about tonight, and you will see that you do have it and that God backs you up because he gave it to you. Amen? It's going to be pretty much impossible to grow your faith, to set the captives free, heal the sick, exercise spiritual authority over powers of darkness, do spiritual warfare. If we don't understand, we actually have authority as a believer to do these very things that I just mentioned. So what is spiritual authority? Spiritual authority is kingdom, kingdom of God, authority. It is the right and the empowering to make decrees, declarations, and even commands in the kingdom of God and see things move for you. See results. Now, we're not commanding God to do anything, okay? So don't misunderstand. We, do, do, can we give commands? Absolutely. The enemy is involved in somebody's life. You can take authority and command that stronghold to be broken. There's lots of ways that you can use that. But spiritual authority, I, I mean, I love this. It's the right. Guys, it's, you have the right to exercise spiritual authority, and you've been empowered to do so. So you have the right and the empowerment to get involved in spiritual authority, to use it. I've said often over the years that spiritual authority and understanding it better has changed my life more than anything I've ever learned in the body of Christ. And I've been a believer for over 50 years. I mean, as an adult. I know you probably thought I'm 35, but I'm not. Times two. Spiritual authority, once you learn how to tap into that and how to even attempt to use it, it's a game changer, man. I'm going to tell you, it changes everything, and I am very serious about that. Every born-again Christian has spiritual authority, but not everybody knows how to use it. And spiritual authority unexercised or not used is not going to benefit anyone, including you. I, I say it like this sometimes. Spiritual authority not exercised is absolutely worthless. I mean, it's like having a million dollars in the bank, but you never draw out a penny of that money. You can literally starve to death and be a millionaire. How many of you believe that you have tapped into everything that Christ has paid for for you? You're walking in it right now. Everything that Christ did for you, you're walking in it. You know, I've been asking that question for a lot of years, and nobody has ever raised their hand to that. The cool thing about that is that tells us there's more for us. There's more to step into. We're not looking at, at, at okay, man, I can't believe I didn't know some of this stuff, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Don't look at it like that. Be excited about what you're learning today in your life and how to apply things today. I do believe God fast-tracks the hungry. You know, what maybe would have taken some people 20 years to learn might take you 20 months to literally know what they took 20 years to learn. I've seen that in the lives of many, many people. You know, 
one of the things that I think we get a little confused about is there's a difference in maturing in religion and maturing in the spirit. Now, let me, let me explain a little bit. And I'm not talking about a religious spirit or, you know, I'm talking about what we know as, you know, religion. And I, here's the way that I see it, at least. Religion, it, and a good religious person, they have good morals. They have good church attendance. They read their Bible. They pray. And, you know, they're kind to people. And all of these things I just mentioned are great and everybody is to do that, and everybody starts there. You get born again, that's where you start. You start learning to go to church and pray and maybe get in a Bible study and all those things. Great things, and everybody needs to do it. But I believe God wants us to go from us being changed to us helping other people change. So we go from one level of, in a way, it's, it's, it's more about you. You know, you got to do this, you got to do it, and you got to press in, and you got to, you're, 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 you're developing your own uh, uh, lifestyle and habits in the spirit, in the kingdom. But then you go to being one to help others. And I, I see it as that, as like moving from maturity in religion to maturity in spiritual. And, you know, once you mature more in a spiritual aspect, God will use you to change lives on a regular basis. On a regular basis, people are healed. People are delivered. You learn how to receive the Father's love in new ways. You learn how to give that love away in new ways. You regularly experience things at a new spiritual level, but you're able to pass these things on into the lives of other people. You're able to help other people move faster than you did. You're able to help other people learn things that they don't know yet. And you're helping them do that. It's a great place to be, by the way. Could you imagine if everybody in the body of Christ did that? I don't know about you, but most of my adult life, nobody in the church tried to help me do anything other than you know, a pastor would preach something on Sunday morning, and then that was it till next Sunday morning. But I didn't really have anybody in my life trying to help me move along. Nobody at work, nobody in my, in my friends. Guys, I believe that your local church is to be the equipping center, but the real work is done out there. Yeah, we're to equip, you know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, says in Ephesians 4. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we're equippers, but I believe that most people are to be saved, born again, uh, uh, healed, delivered in everyday life. And here we just then bring those people in to get equipped. Amen? Does that make sense? I'm going to tell you, if everybody did that, every believer did that, we would see probably... 50 times the amount of people born again, at least, because we're focused on, on getting people saved, delivered, and healed in everyday life. I, I always, you know, said it like this. Hey, if you work at Kroger, then in your department, you pastor Kroger. You be the spiritual person in Kroger or wherever it is your work. If you looked at it like that, it would change how you do your job. And I don't mean you walk in and say, eh, I just want to get everybody's attention. I want you to know I'm now the pastor here. <laughs> I, I'm not talking about it like that, but I am talking about be the spiritual influence in where you work and don't be ashamed of it. Don't be, don't be afraid to pray for somebody that's sick. Don't be afraid to know their needs and pray for their needs right there with them. Not making a spectacle and, you know, getting somebody embarrassed, but, you know, on lunchtime or whatever, you know. Does that make sense? One of the questions I've asked myself many times over the years and still do, what if every single believer in the body of Christ, if their spiritual walk was like mine, would, they be, would the body, would the world be better off or worse off? In other words, what if everybody did spiritual things exactly like you do? Do you think the world would be better off spiritually or worse off? Now, that's not any kind of judgment thing. That's a gauge to see, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to press into this a little bit more. 
I've been, I need to be a little bit more proactive. I've been a little complacent, you know, maybe not my life and my whole life, but you know, I've really backed off in the last six months or three months or whatever. It's just a gauge. It's not a judgment thing at all. And I think we all need to be honest in that. And if we are, we can see even the areas that we need to do the most work in. Well, you know, I'm pretty good in this, but you know, man, I really need to learn this subject. I really need to press into that. You know, a lot of people wonder, have we really been given spiritual authority? Do you believe that Jesus was our model? Yeah, whatever Jesus did, like when you read the word, whatever Jesus did, you can just know you are to do that. You know, he prayed for sick, you're to pray for sick. He set the captives free, you're to set the captives free. He was, he was kind to people, he, took, he helped the poor, you're to do the same. He was and is still our model. That's great because we, if, we, if we don't know what to do, we can just read the word and say, oh, okay. A lot of people say, you know, I don't know what I'm called to do. I say, I know exactly what you're called to do. You're to lay hands on the sick. You're to set the captives free. You're to help the poor, visit the imprisoned, and many more things like that. But start there. If you don't know what you're called to do, start there and watch the results that you'll start to see in your life. We make this stuff too hard. It's not that difficult. It can be a little bit scary to get rolling, but it's not difficult to know what to do. You don't need some big vision to know what you're to do with your life. And as you're being about the Father's business, as you're kingdom, uh, building the kingdom of God and helping God build his kingdom on the earth, he then might show you more specifics. You know what? I love what you've been doing. Now I want you to do this. Ministries are birthed out uh, situations like that. Specific details are given about certain things. But everybody's called to do the same thing as far as the general broad base of what a Christian is to do. So, do we, do we uh, have authority? Yes, we do. Jesus demonstrated given authority in Luke 9. And in verse 1 it says, he called his disciples, his 12 disciples together, and he gave them power and authority. Everybody say power and authority. I don't like when people make me do this. I just want to make sure you're awake. Power and authority. He gave the disciples power and authority. Now, there's a lot of teaching out there that says, you know, yeah, the, the, the apostles said that the original 12 guys said, but that's it. You know, that's what they say, but that's it. That, this all was gone when, when the last one of them died. I think we can prove from the scripture that is not correct. So we started out here. Yes, he gave his disciples power and authority. To do what? Well, over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God to heal the sick. Then he called his 12 together and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to do ministry. Minister to people. You know, uh, who, who's in ministry? Everybody. Not everybody's fivefold. Not everybody has a position in the church, but everybody is a minister. You're actually ordained by God as a minister. Nobody had to lay hands on you. You got born again, you're a minister. And he gives you Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that he had. I think we ought to take a year and soak that one thought in. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ himself had, you have. Now, if that don't blow you away, I don't know what will. Why should we ever feel defeated when we have the same Spirit that Jesus himself had? We're looking at it wrong if we don't understand we have the one that he had. So therefore, all things are subject to change because of the power and authority of the one who dwells in us. He said, I'm going to send you out. I want you to go do ministry. 
You've been following me for a few years now. It's time to go and do these things yourself. So I'm going to break you up two by two. I'm going to give you authority and power, and I want you to drive out demons. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus did that. He gave them authority. He gave them power. He sends them out two by two, and out they went. And, and what happened? They, you need to read this story if you've not read it in a while. They come back, and they were saying, oh, my gracious, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Well, that's what he told them to do. I mean, I don't know why they should have been so surprised. He gave them power and authority. So they come back. They've been driving out demons. They were healing the sick. They were proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel of salvation, that a lot of people talk about that particular subject. I, I had somebody the other day when I, was, I put a class that I was teaching on uh, uh, learning how to get better at praying for the sick, and she, she said, you can't teach that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been teaching it for a long time, and we saw 150 people healed last year. By everyday people praying for everyday people. It wasn't the big-name people praying for them. No, it was the people in the class praying for each other and praying for people in our, our county healing services and things like that. And she said, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, yeah. And you know what she did? She, she gave me part of a scripture verse that says that, they, that we are to go out and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Now, to her, the gospel kingdom was salvation only. But she left out two other parts in the exact same passage that she quoted to me. Drive out demons and heal the sick. It's in the same verse. I brought it to her attention, and she didn't want to talk about it. Guys, look, we can live in a place that we've not arrived at yet. And when you start to see some of these things happen in your own life, through your own hands, through your own prayers, it is so fun and amazing and humbling that God would use you and I to help build his kingdom and to help people. So they come back, and they're telling all these amazing things. And, they I mean, they went out. They, they go through all the towns. They're preaching the gospel. They're healing people everywhere. And then after they returned and told him all this stuff and how successful it was, you know what Jesus did? I don't understand why the people talk about the original 12. Do with this verse because he said, then Jesus appointed 70 others. Not the 12, right? You can't fit 70 into 12. These are new people. These are different people. And he did the same thing. He, he, he gave them power and authority and sent them out to do the exact same thing that he had sent the 12 out to do. And they came back with the same results. It says in Luke 10, 17, the 70 returned with joy. They're happy about what, what they're getting ready to say and what they saw. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So we have the 12, then we have the 70. Mark 16, verse 16 says this, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel to everyone who, who believes We'll, say, we'll just say, he who gets born again will be, uh, believes and is baptized, will be saved. He who is not will be condemned. But then listen to this. And these signs will follow those who believe. Who are they talking about? They're talking about uh, the command is to go to all the world and those who believe the gospel throughout the entire world, those people, you and I, if we're alive, that we, we're not the 12, we're not the 70. We might be somebody that was preached to and we get born again. And then the Bible says right here, and these signs will follow those who believe, these new people who believe throughout the entire world. 
Amen. That's not the 12 and that's not the 70. That's everybody. Everybody. You, are you everybody? I'm pretty sure you are. Guys, we've been, we've been fed a bunch of stuff that's not true. And, and we still fight breaking off some of this old stuff. And I, and I get it. But don't quit fighting breaking that off, man. Because when you get free of all that religious stuff that is not correct, if this don't sum it up, that it is not the 12. I mean, not only the 70, guys, this is saying after you go into all the world, those people that, that got saved, they're going to see signs and wonders. They're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to cast out devils. What Jesus did was show us the model that will continue until this whole thing is wrapped up. It has never stopped being that model, and it never will. And if you participated in, in it or not, it's up to you and to I. This is our choice to, to get involved in it. I mean, you're born again, you're going to heaven. But you can get involved. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You can cast out devils. You, if you, don't, you, you know, you probably don't know how to do a lot of that stuff. That's what the equippers are for. It's the way Jesus set it up, man, I'm telling you. But I love this, you know, that... This new group of people, these new believers, are going to see the same results that the 70 saw, who same saw the uh, same results that the 12 saw, who saw the same results that Jesus saw. So what's that mean? The believers will see the same results as Jesus. If that don't excite you a little bit, it should. When Jesus was on the earth, he said, all power, the, wor the right word there is authority, has been given to me. I have all power on, in heaven and earth. Like Jesus has all power and authority. Amen? Our God has all power and authority. But what we sometimes miss is he sharing that or giving that to us. He's commissioning it us as co-heirs. We're co-heirs with Christ. We're seated with him in heavenly places. We're more than conquerors. We're sons of God. I mean, go through and read what the Bible says you know, about who you are. Get out of the mindset you are, a, you are a sinner saved by grace. No, not true. You were a sinner and you have been saved by grace. Jesus does not, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do not recognize you, if you're born again, as a sinner. They recognize you as a joint heir with Christ, a son of God. You might mess up, and you might need to repent about that, and fine, fine, do so. But you are not who you were. You are something amazing now. You can be a world changer for sure, guys. I've, I've seen it. I've been doing this a while, and I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just decide, you know what? I'm going to try this stuff, and they go to a whole other level. So you can go from being a good, you know, church attender and a prayer, all that, but when you start to exercise your spiritual authority in your own life and the lives of others, everything goes to another level of effectiveness. I love the story of uh, Peter and John. At, at, you know, so they're, you know, they're going to the temple. This is what it says in Acts 3, verse 1. Peter and John went up together. Into the temple at the hour of prayer. So they're going to church, right? And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, born lame, right? That's the way we would see it. He was born lame. I, I don't know exactly what was wrong with him, but he could not walk proper or at all. Born lame. He couldn't walk at all, really, because it says they, were, they carried him. So he could not move himself. And they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. 
And he asked alms of everyone going into the temple. Well, that's a good place to try to get some help right outside church building, I would think. And this guy was a real deal. I mean, he wasn't, you know, you didn't have to worry about his using his money for some, you know, something wrong. Everybody knew this guy, and everybody knew he's lame, and everybody knew he needed help. The whole town, the whole community, the, maybe the entire region had heard about this guy. And so here comes along, you know, Peter and John are getting ready to go into the building. And, and Peter, I love this, fastened his eyes upon him. This guy caught Peter's attention. And, 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 and Peter wasn't looking at him like, oh, that poor guy. Peter got excited. His heart, I could just see a spirit man just jumped like, ah, yes. I challenge you to go home and read Acts 1, Acts 3, verse 1 to 8, multiple times and listen to everything that's in there. So Peter locked in on this guy. And he says to this guy, look on us. Like, hey, look here. And the guy paid attention and he looked at them. But he was expecting to receive some, some something, money, right? That's what he was thinking. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I love the next thing that he said. If you can get this it will change your life. Peter says, silver and gold, have I none? But such as I have, I give to you. Do you understand that Peter knew for a fact that he carried the presence of God, that he was anointed, that he could be used by God, that he was empowered I, I did a teaching not long ago, and I titled it, Such As I Have. Do you believe you even have anything? You do. You do. Same spirit that Jesus did. That's pretty good. Such as I have, I give to you. See, Peter knew this was such a real thing that he had it. That, that would be like, hey, such as I have, I give to you. I have 100 bucks. It was as real as that, except he didn't have the money. But he said, I have something. It, it's mine. It's mine. Do you understand that? It was Peter's. It was Peter's. He had it. What did he have? The presence of God, the anointing. You, you could put whatever terminology you want on it. God was with him. He was anointed, and he knew it, and he knew it was his. He was empowered. Such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the hand, lifted him up, and immediately the man's feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaped up, stood, walked, and entered with them in the temple. He went to church with them. You want to get people to go to church with you? Get some people healed. I'm serious. Get, get, get some people healed that everybody knows is sick. It's exciting for you as well. It's not just exciting for everybody else. It's exciting for you. Such as I have, Peter knew he had something. If you're going to walk in authority, you must know that you have something. You must know it. And you must be willing to give it away. And that takes chance. You know, you know what people would say uh, when I ask, you know, well, why don't you pray for more people? You know, I say, well, I mean, what if nothing happens? Well, what if it does? What's at least what, 50-50? Okay. 
If you pray for a sick man and after you're done praying, he's still sick, I, he's no worse off. <laughs> he was sick to start with. I don't know why we do that. We get all scared about something. That, well, what if it don't work? <laughs> well, he's already sick, so big deal. It didn't work. But what if it does? What if you were supposed to lay hands on that guy and God would have healed him, but you were worried about if he'd get healed or not? Not only are you robbing yourself of a miracle of being used by God, you're robbing that guy of his miracle because God was going to heal him through you. And let me tell you what, that happens all the time that people do see healings. It also happens all the time that people will not pray for somebody because they're afraid to. I've heard, I bet I've had hundreds of people over the years now, uh, the last 30 years I've been doing this kind of stuff, you know, really focused on it. I cannot tell you how many times people say, you know, I know God told me to go pray for that guy. I was in, I was in a store, God pointed a guy out and told me, but I didn't. And then some people ask for a second chance and they get a second chance in the parking lot or whatever, and they still didn't. But then some people did. And here's what I can tell you for sure. And guys, look, in our ministry, no joke, we have prayed for thousands and thousands of people now in the last 30 years. And do you know what I have seen? I have had people thank me when I prayed for them and nothing happened. But they still thanked me. I mean, I that in a ways that you think, well, that doesn't even make sense. Why did they still thank me? Because I cared enough about them to pray for them, to give them some attention. You can love on them and be courteous and kind and honor them no matter what. You can do that. And in the process of doing that, you might also see them healed. Nobody gets upset. Well, let's put it this way. I've never had one person ever get upset when I prayed for them and they weren't healed, nor have I had anybody on, that was on my team that that happened to them. Nobody ever come back and say, man, I got really upset with me because, you know, I didn't get him healed. Never one time ever has that been said. God wants to use us to be a blessing to people. And sometimes that blessing might just be you gave them attention and you showed them they have value. Yeah, your prayer wasn't answered and they're still sick. But they feel better now. Maybe they're still ill, but they feel better. They feel like they have some worth. You're kind. You're a kind Christian. You actually were Christ-like in that aspect. And, you know, so Peter said, such as I have, I give to you. Do you notice that Peter didn't ask God to heal the guy? Did you ever think about that? He didn't get, Peter didn't ask God to heal him. Peter said, I have something, and I'm going to give it to you. And he released the presence of God into the, this man's body, and the man was healed. The presence of God healed the guy. He didn't even pray. This example doesn't show any prayer. He says, such as I have, I give to you. Rise up and walk. And, and grabbed him and like pulled him up. Jesus said, go heal the sick. He didn't actually say, go pray to the Father that people be healed. He didn't say that. And, and I, people can be healed like that. I've seen it. I'm not saying it can't. But I'm just saying, I think God is uh, um, showing us in the Bible that he wants us to lay hands on the sick because he has given us authority to do so. It's The name of Jesus is the authority too, right? We know that. One of the things that I, I, I loved about, you know, this story is basically Peter said, hey, I have something. I'm going to give it to you. Rise up. But 
Peter was instructed to heal the sick. We've been instructed to heal the sick. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know what? Uh, Peter didn't heal the guy. God did. And I, I'm like, okay, that's true and not. Peter did heal him. He just wasn't the source of the healing. Peter did his job. Peter laid hands on the guy and commanded healing, and God healed him. Guys, look, we are to heal the sick, but we're not the source behind the healing. Does that make sense? Look at, look at it like this. Well, first off, Peter said in Acts 3, verse 12, what Peter saw all these people getting all excited about what they saw, and he said, I'm going to paraphrase. He said, hey, guys, why, why are you marveling at this? What? What? You're looking at us like we're something super special by our own power or holiness that we made this man walk? He, he didn't even say, God didn't use me to make this man walk. He said, you think that happened because of my power? It did not. It was God's power that healed the man, but the power was under Peter's authority because Peter was the guy at the gate. Peter went on to say in verse 16 that his faith in the name of Jesus that made that happen. Peter didn't ask God to heal the guy. Peter believed the Lord had already did what he needed to do and had given him authority and power. And it was Peter's responsibility to release the power, the, the presence. And that's what he did. I heard one guy give this example, and I, I, I thought it was so Cool, really. It made sense to me. Hopefully, it makes sense to you. But the, we're talking about this. It's kind of like electricity. So you have a power company that generates the power and delivers it to your house, right? All right. Now, it, it's not your power, but it is under your control. How many of you have ever called the, the uh, power company and asked them to come out and flip your lights on? <laughs> Nobody? Huh. But it's their power company, right? It's their power company. Who has to flip the light switch? Exactly. We do. We have to flip the lights on. But we're not the source of the power. I mean, why do we get confused about all this? Like, well, you know, I don't want to be too arrogant. I don't want to think. No, God set up the plan. He gave you spiritual authority. He wants you to flip the switch. He wanted Peter to tell the guy, get up. In the name of Jesus, get up. Peter needed to say that. And he did. Guys, we don't generate the power that comes to our house. We do not generate the power. But it is 100% under our control and our care. We have to use that power. We have to flip the switch. We have to turn the lights on. Turn the stove on. We have to assume our role with the electricity, and we have to assume our role in the kingdom of God. We have to pray for people. We have to decree and declare some things. I'm going to share with you just a few stories, uh, personal stories of people that I know think, or my experiences, and then you know, we're going to wrap it up. If you've been to any of the meetings that we've had here in, in the past, you would see this, you know, redheaded lady helping at Open Heaven, and she works for our ministry. And 
years ago, she was working, before she came to work with us, we, I knew her. She was like a spiritual daughter. I equipped her in deliverance and, and, and walking in authority and those type things. And she was working in a ministry uh, in Over the Rhine, and that ministry was mostly dealing with um, drug addicts, prostitutes, pimps, uh, mentally uh, uh, challenged people, uh, those type things. And uh, a, a, a more challenging environment to do ministry than, say, here on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. And so she would get these people that would come in, the, the, uh, like a storefront, all glass in the front, and you could see everything that was happening inside. And, you know, they had the, the name of the ministry, and everybody spread the word pretty quickly. You can go in there, and they'll pray over you. And, and they did some teachings. I did some things there occasionally. And, you know, you can get warm, and you can get a coffee and that kind of thing. Uh, but a lot of the people were um, uh, challenging to deal with. And there was this one guy that every time he came in, he caused problems. Every time he caused problems. And so she called me um, and said, I, I don't know what to do about this, this guy. And I said, look, to me it's simple. You take authority over his behavior, and you just say, that's not allowed. This is my space. Spiritual leader, this is my space. By the way, your house is your house. Then we can't just do whatever he wants to do there. And if he is, you're not exercising your spiritual authority proper or at all. And so anyway, I said, look, do this. You just say something like this. In the name of Jesus, I have authority in this house. This is, I'm in control. So she didn't own the ministry, but she was the one that ran it. She was in control of that space, naturally and spiritually. And, and so she took authority over this guy, you know, we'll just say, you know, Charlie was his name. And so she took authority over Charlie. Charlie will not be allowed to enter this space and cause problems. In the name of Jesus, I'm exercising my authority in this house, and Charlie will not be able to come in here and cause problems. Simple as that. One day, she saw here comes Charlie walking up the street, had that demonic look on his face like she's seen, you know, saw many times. He comes up. He grabs the doorknob. It won't turn. He can't open the door. It's like, and she hears him mumbling and cursing and stuff, you know. And, and then he gives up and he walks away. Then here comes a, a mom, you know, with her, 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 her child, comes up, grabs the door, walks right in. The door was not locked. But Charlie couldn't get in. What did that? Somebody exercised a spiritual authority. This is my place. You're not allowed. You say, well, you know, why didn't God do, you know, like the guy come in, but he just behaved. Well, I don't know the answer to that. Evidently, when he came in, he wasn't going to behave because she had exercised her authority and said he's not allowed to come in here and cause problems. She didn't say he wasn't allowed in. She said he wasn't allowed to come in and cause problems. And, and evidently, God knew, oh, he's coming to cause problems. When I first started learning this stuff about spiritual authority, I was a painting contractor, and I, I did almost all outside work. I didn't even like to do inside work. I found out later it's much easier inside. But... I'm an outside guy. And so anyway, I would, I would be painting a house and, you know, using water-based paint. And, and here would come rain, you know, a, a thunderstorm or something. I can see it coming. I remember this one time up uh, behind uh, Higginsport. And I was up on a hill, and, and I could see it coming, man. And I remember pointing at that, and I said, you will not come near this house. I was, you, rainstorm. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You will not come near this house. I've actually, I actually have done that maybe six, eight times. I, I would, I was, here's what I saw every, every time except one. It either just vanished, like, you know, dissipated, it's gone, 
Or, well, there it went, you know, like somebody over there is getting it, you know. And, but not me and not that house. And I never had to repaint anything, ever. And if you've ever painted with water-based paint, you know, try it. Go put, get a sprinkler, put a little bit of water drops on it, and watch the color literally run out of the paint, including white. And you'll see streaks in your paint. One time, that didn't work for me, and it started to sprinkle. But I still didn't give up. I said, all right, this house will have zero damage, and I will not have to paint one brush stroke over. Packed up my stuff, went home, come back the next day, and I had to paint not one brush stroke over. Guys, we don't even think about using spiritual authority in everyday life. God wants to, to, to give us the desires of our heart. Well, sometimes we need to exercise authority to get that. Well, I had a desire not to redo my work. And it's costly. You know, I was buying the paint. I'd have to buy all that again and all that kind of thing. So, guys, don't, don't think anything is petty to the Lord because it's not. Just recently, uh, one of the people on our team, she's in her uh, 70s and raised in a denominational church her whole life who talked about healing and believed in healing but never actually did a whole lot of it. And she had this friend at work that had uh, like stage four cancer and she felt she, you know, she, she wanted to pray for the guy but the opportunity never seemed to come around because people were always around and that kind of thing. And she just said, Lord, if you want me to pray for the guy, I want to but just give me an opportunity. And the man ended up coming to her and saying, you know, hey, I would really like to, your prayers because I go back to a doctor tomorrow and they're going to they're gonna scan me and they're going to see what the next steps are and, you know, and, and you know, what I'm going to have to do now. And so she prayed for him. Uh, we, we, we use authority prayers and command prayers. She commanded every cancer cell in his body to die and disappear. And, you know, basically that kind of thing. So the next day, he goes to the doctor, and they run tests. And later on in the day, he come by with the test results, and he wanted to show her. And it said right on there, no cancer detected. Now, guys, what would, he have, what would she have seen if it's like, you know, Father God, I ask you to come and heal my friend. You know, what would she have seen? I don't know because she didn't do that. She, she exercised authority in the same way that Peter did at the gate. And said, in the name of Jesus, such as I have, I have his presence. I have the healing power of God in me. I'm going to command his cancer cells to die. And let's just see what happens. And she saw exactly what everybody wanted to happen. Years ago, one of the people on my team was a school teacher. And in a very, very large high school uh, in Ohio, and she told me that she was in a meeting, and the principal said something to the effect like this. Uh, you know, they're going, they're going to be people dressing up like furries. You know, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's people. It can be adults, but in this case it was students. Dressing up like a dog or a cat or whatever. They literally put on ears and a tail, and they come in. And, and if they're really into it, they won't even respond to you. They'll bark or meow or something like that. And she said, and our, teacher, our, our principal said, we got to let those people just do that. And she said, I don't want to let them do that, but I was told I have to. And I said, well, how about this? How about you take authority over that before anybody comes in dressed like that and say, that's not allowed in your classroom? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying all this, but this is what happened. And so she did that. And none of that came into her classroom, none of it, not once. Matter of fact, the other teachers saw, like I had her anoint her, her, her uh, windows and doors as well. And, you know, prayer that, that type of prayer. The other teachers in the school noticed the results that she had in her classroom, asked her if she would come and do the same in their room. That's kingdom business right there. That's how you see change. 
Somebody sees your effectiveness, and they want that. The last story. I had this guy. This was probably over 25 years ago. I had this guy on my team. His parents were not believers, and he he came to me one day. He said, I, I don't know what to do. Um, I, my kids go to my parents' house, you know, once a month or something like that, and we let them spend the day there. But when they come back, they're so unruly, so rebellious, so uh, uh, out of control that I don't even want to let them go to my parents' house, but I don't want to rob my parents of their grandchildren, and I don't know what to do. I said, well, how about this? How about you write down the, the demonic influences that you see when your children come back? Oh, rebellion, you know, disobedience, you know, anger, all those things. So and I said, then do this. Before your kids go, Say, in the name of Jesus, these are my children, and I take authority over rebellion. I take authority over anger. I take authority over, you know, blah, 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 blah. You will not affect my children. You're not able to influence them in any way. These are my children, not my parents' children. They're my children. About six weeks later, he come to me. He said, I can't believe it. He said, they went to my grandparents, or to my parents again, and said they came home in the exact same way that they went, and that's the first time that has ever happened. What am I saying? I'm saying that you can see results in everyday life in ways that you have not seen it if you just start to exercise your spiritual authority. And when I talk about getting all weird and loopy and, you know, I command somebody to give me a brand-new Lexus 500, no, 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 come on. <laughs> if you desire Lexus 500, tell God you desire one and see what happens. But, you know, you can't. That's not the kind of thing you can exercise any authority on. Guys, it's time the body of Christ grow up a little bit. That's right. That's right. right. We need, we need, we, well, actually, we need to grow up a lot. Yeah. One of the reasons people are not flocking into the church it's because the people in the church are not seeing the results they should see. Because when people are constantly getting healed, and not, not like it's a, 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 a surprise. I want to end up being surprised when they're not healed rather than when they are. Right now we're more surprised when somebody is healed. What about if we keep pressing into that and then we're surprised if they don't? Because we're seeing so many people healed or delivered or whatever the case might be. Amen? That is your purpose and destiny. That is who you are, and you do have spiritual authority to do this stuff. I want to lead you in like a, just a, a, a quick um, decoration, if you will. And then we're going to close, and then, uh, it, it, you know, after we do the, like the closing for that, any of the prayer team members that want to come up, and if you have a specific prayer need, we would, we would welcome you to come up to one of the prayer team people, and they will pray with you about your need. All right, everybody just, you know, bow your head and close your eyes with me, because I want you just to focus on what you're saying. Just say this with me. Father God, I do believe you've given me authority. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to show me how to use it. You're my teacher, my counselor, my guide. You know how to get through to me. And I'm asking you to do that. So I declare... I will walk in authority. I will see results. That is my purpose. That is my destiny. I am to be a world changer. I will be the type of Christian that other people want to imitate. Not just in church attendance, but because I walk in power and authority. And see results. And I receive it today. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Now, God, I just pray a blessing over everybody here tonight. I thank you, God, that you are going to awaken many people in this room tonight to a new level of understanding about their spiritual authority. This is not some made-up, make-believe, crazy story. This is real. They really do have spiritual authority. Every born-again person in this room really does have spiritual authority. And I pray, God, that there will be a day that they learn how to step more fully into their spiritual authority. God, give them boldness and courage to take a risk to try to exercise their authority. And God, I know that if they do that, for the next few months, they will see results they've never seen in their life. I bless them tonight. God is the spiritual father in the kingdom of God to many, many people I release a blessing over them tonight and this house. I bless Free People Church. I bless Pastor Aaron and Erica and, and, and wherever they are right now, God. May they have the, the most enjoyable, restful time. Keep them safe, protected, blessed physically, spiritually, emotionally, and financially. We honor them tonight. And we thank you for them. And everybody said with me, amen.